Hello all, welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Vaughn. How's everybody doing out there? Took a little time off. We had some major happenings happening around my house. We had, oh, Benny, shit. Oh my God. Wow. (laughs) Okay, my cat just jumped on the table unexpectedly and um, almost knocked over my coffee here, but um, we're good. Benny, he's 20 pounds of not so graceful kitty cat. Wow, that was um, a lot A lot more could have happened there. Okay, it says, <laughs> says there was a problem with your last action. If you think this is a bug, please tell us exactly where it occurred. This is on my um, recording program. No, it was just my fat cat. Okay, so Uh, Back to what I've been up to. We had two graduations that happened in our household. My son graduated from eighth grade and my daughter graduated from high school. So her graduation came first. She is at a, oh, what do we, what do they call her school? She's not at a traditional public high school. She went into independent high school her sophomore year. So she's done three years of independent study, which I think she's getting by with a little less than what the kids are doing at the public school, to be quite honest. But I know she did do her work. She definitely took some college classes at the community college as a requirement. She did really well in those. Ryan, you know, some people don't need school. This girl doesn't need school. She is so talented art-wise that she makes earrings. She does pottery. Everything she makes turns out amazing. Joey, too, also very creative. Joey has a jewelry business and she makes earrings. Um, Ryan as well. So if they can find a way to market themselves, you know, online and create their own business, I really don't see the point, and and if they're able to make enough to survive on it, I I don't see the point in them even going to college, honestly, except for the experience. So I know that there's a lot of other benefits to having a college degree. Sometimes you need one for specific jobs, but I do think that college is a lot of money and not necessarily the route for everybody or necessary for where you want to go in life. There's so many options today that we didn't have 20 years ago. We didn't have the internet. There's so many options now. You can make money online. And, you know, I feel like they learn so much online as it is on how to market their companies. You know, you can have payments through the internet. It all works. You can have your own business run through the internet. And I see lots of kids that do it. I have a friend who has another friend whose daughter is very big on TikTok. I I think she has a few million followers, something like that. She's really, really popular. She's over in the uh, Los Gatos area and um, she's doing quite well financially. I mean, can she keep this up? I don't know. But you know, it's, uh, it's a way to make money. She did not go to college and she's making more money than I ever have. So uh, kudos to her and knowing how to take advantage of what tools you have today in order to be able to become successful. And you don't necessarily have to take the traditional route. In fact, I saw a TikTok that said, name a cult that may not look like a cult, but it truly is a cult. And somebody explained that it's exactly what we do in the U.S., that 90% of us believe that we have to work for a job that we don't like for most of our lives to have enough money set aside so that we can enjoy, like, what, the last 10 years of our life? And he says, there's this belief that you have to go to work from nine to five. This is the thinking that's been pounded into our head for years and years, that this is the only way to get by. 
it is a very traditional way to get by and it's the safest way to get by, but there are other ways and you don't have to take that route. So I've never been big on pushing college. I want my kids to do what feels right. Owen, though, is going to college. <laughs> There's no doubt about it because the kids talented with sports and he's this gigantic boy and he's going to use that and I'm sorry but the kids go into college but I do feel like college is really important for just the experience in itself I went to college and I truly felt that well my degree thankfully was there and I could sub otherwise I couldn't be subbing I wouldn't be able to do the job I do now but truly, that degree is just kind of a silly degree. It's radio, TV, and film. I mean, everything that I learned back in the day doesn't even apply to what's available today technology-wise. But I have a degree. I have a BA. Whatever. But really, what I truly took away from college was the experience. It was so fun, you know? I had relationships, and I got to be on my own and, you know, learn how to pay my own little bills and go to work and go to school and be responsible. And, you know, it was fun. And it was, uh, it was well worth it for me. And I was a kid who was very shy and had a lot of anxiety, although there was not that name for it back when I was growing up. It was called You're Homesick and You're Kind of a Baby. <laughs> there was no name for anxiety when I was growing up. Little did I know that later on it would become so well understood and less stigmatized and people talk about it all the time. My daughters both have anxiety and it's why they did not go to traditional high school. It's why they chose to do independent and oh, that brings me back to graduation. So yes, Ryan graduated. Her graduation was, boy, did I go on a tangent. Her graduation was literally her standing there under a little tent in a parking lot in front of a table with two men, you know, socially distanced at another table under another tent about, I don't know, 15 feet from her. One was, I think it's the superintendent of independent studies was one man. And then it was her teacher. And they both gave a little spiel about Ryan. And then they asked her if she had any words and she was totally caught off guard and said something like, I'm, thank you so much for putting up with my bullshit. <laughs> that was her big speech. And we took some pictures. They did have a really nice display up with big giant gold balloons that said 2021 and flowers. And we got some nice pictures. It was just me, her brother, her sister, and her dad. And, um, I'm just making sure I'm still recording. Yes, I am. So, um, it was nice. And then we all went out to breakfast after and breakfast was really nice. And so that was Ryan's graduation. And then Owen graduated from eighth grade. It was really fun because he got to graduate on a brand new field at a high school that's near us. It's not the high school he'll be going to, but they got to use this field and the high school actually didn't get to use it until after the eighth graders graduated. So my son's class was actually the first class ever to use this brand new field and the stadium and everything uh, to graduate on. And of course, we were early because the high school had it booked probably for one o'clock. So we were at 10 and he had to be there at nine. And of course, it was misty and dewy. We live near the ocean. And so there, you know, we do get that coastal fog in the morning and the seats were wet and typical of uh, this area. But I wore a hood and it was fine. And the sun finally came out and Owen graduated and they played cool in the gang, of course, as they were walking to all their parents celebration. It was great. We took him out to breakfast, had a really nice breakfast at the harbor in Santa Cruz and by all the boats. 
It was a actually super expensive breakfast and the food was really super mediocre on paper plates. I, it was really like, I look at breakfast food places and I think, what did it cost to make this? These eggs and this bread that they gave me and, you know, maybe a little sauce or a little vegetable with it and a little cup of fruit, you know, you're paying $13, $14 a plate. And then you look at, you know, everybody's plate around you, pancakes, whatever. Breakfast is so cheap to make and they make a killing. They make a killing. And you know who else makes a killing? Sushi. Sushi restaurants. I can hardly bear to buy sushi anymore. It's rice. We're spending $50 on rice. Like, I can't wrap my brain around it. It makes me crazy. My kids love sushi. That's where they always want to go. There's such a small amount of fish, you know, when you get the rolls. It's just that it's well prepared. Someone's making your dinner. It looks really pretty. It's fun to eat sushi. But really, truly, what does it cost to make this? They're they're making a killing. They like seriously making a huge killing in sushi. I should own a sushi restaurant. I know we had an exchange student from Japan and she was blown away by the prices for rolls, which they don't even do in Japan. That's a California thing or a United States thing. She goes, we don't eat sushi rolled up like that. That is totally a United States thing. She said, our sushi is like a pad of rice with a piece of fish on it. But anyway, she was explaining the prices in Japan and she said, it's really inexpensive where she lives, <laughs> but not in the U.S. So very interesting. Okay. I promised that I would have my guest next week would be, which was now, would be an adult film star. And I am still going to make that happen. We're friends on Instagram, so it's not like it won't happen. It will. Um, I just got carried away with things this weekend. And so I'm kind of putting it on the back burner. So I'm just doing my own little podcast today and then next week and I will have her. One little thing that I haven't thrown out there on anything social media wise. And I've been wanting to like say this because it just kind of blew my mind. So when I was wrapping things up with my sixth grade class online, there was many things I had to do. I had to do report cards. I had to do a lot of stuff to get ready for their graduation. And I got a message from the office saying, make sure to come in and do your, and I kid you not, I kid you not, it spelled C-U-M folders, your cum folders. And I'm like, this has to be a typo. Somebody had to have made it. Are you freaking kidding me? And it was sent to so many people. I'm thinking somebody's going to reply to this and say, oh, you forgot the E on that. It's cum, right? Like with an E. But she must have forgotten the E. Does she not see the error here? I mean, it says cum folders. It says cum folders. And so no one says anything. And I am not a regular teacher. I didn't even know what this was. I had no clue. So what it is, is it's a file that goes with a student every year. The teacher that had them fills out a little piece or a part of this cumulative folder. It is short for cumulative. Who in the hell didn't realize that C-U-M spells another word? But everybody goes along with it like it's fine. It's fine. It's the CUM file, C-U-M file. Just, I can't get past that. Like, why is nobody talking about this? Why is nobody just adding an E on there just to make everybody more comfortable? Because it was titled the CUM folders. It came to me that way, titled CUM folders. And I'm like, oh, oh no, somebody made a mistake. No, they didn't. That's just the way it is. And I just kept laughing in my head the whole time I was like filling these out thinking they really need to work on this and change it. But nobody seems to care. It's fine. It's staying, I guess. So we took a trip to Disneyland. We got back. We went to uh, Disneyland Monday and Tuesday. 
of this last week and I just did a video on it. So it's on my YouTube channel if you want to watch it. And I kind of went over some of the COVID restrictions that have happened since Disneyland opened. I think it's been open maybe like two months. And we had tickets from February of 2020. So since we had tickets, we were able to get a reservation. I don't believe you can actually buy tickets as of yet. That should happen soon. So they're just letting people in like at 25% capacity. There was a limit to how many people you could let in. I had to go onto a calendar and find the dates that weren't full and pick those dates. It wasn't too hard. We got the dates we wanted. The day that we went, it was 35% capacity. And you start off basically out on the main street. I think it's um, Harbor Boulevard. And that's just to get into the park. And then it's a it's a <laughs> it's a mass of different circles that you just twist through. Basically, you're going this way, you're going that way, you're going around here, and you keep thinking, okay, finally I'm gonna get to that final line where it's gonna get me in. No, and then you end up turning this way, and it's another long loop around here. I'd love to see what it looked like from above from a drone, because it was it was a lot of people. And you know, we're not social distancing in this line, even though you're supposed to, but really nobody is. There's just a massive of people. And so this is about an hour to get into the area where you can go into either park. You know, if you go to California Adventure, it's to the left. You go to Disneyland, it's to the right. And basically you just get up to the health screening area and all they do is just click the thing in front of your forehead for your temperature. No one's looking for a vaccination card. They don't have time for that. Some people have written to me and asked if they were vaccinated, if they have to wear a mask. And yes, you do. There's no not wearing a mask unless, so this is the big thing, unless you're actively eating or drinking, but you have to be sitting down. You have to be in a designated eating area. You can't walk around and even drink a coffee with your mask down. It's like people will come up to you right away and say, please go to the designated areas. I mean, everybody's been instructed to do that. And so you get used to that really quickly. You just know you can't walk around and eat which is kind of a bummer because a lot of people like to eat in line and stuff. You can't do that. You have to eat sitting in a designated area. And they did make a lot of designated areas. You know, there's a lot of new signage everywhere, obviously. And then, of course, in line, it's social distancing in line. You have to, Everybody was pretty good about standing on their little lines or there's, you know, like they did that for like Trader Joe's here. We had to do that to stand on lines that are six feet apart. So they have a lot of that. The one bummer is it took a long time to get it, like coffee in the morning. It took a half an hour to get coffee because there was, you know, everybody wants coffee when they walk in the park and you have to go, you know, six feet. And then you ha once you get in there, then they take your order. It just, it was a really long process to get coffee where I know normally it would not have taken that long. Um, it may have taken 15 minutes, but this took a half an hour. And so here's the big thing with the food. If you are not on top of this before you go to Disneyland and you do like we did, and didn't prepare at all, you will be starving. So I did prepare in a way that I always bring food because I'm cheap as hell. I'm not going to buy most of the food in Disneyland because it's small portions. The prices are so incredibly inflated that I just always know I like to bring my own stuff. Plus, I sort of eat a certain way every day. I like my stuff. And I know if I ate the stuff there, I would feel pretty bad later. And I didn't want it because your options are sort of limited. You know, there's not like real healthy stuff, you know. So I like to eat my stuff. You know, I brought my rice cakes. I brought my tuna. I know I'm weird, but I like I want my healthy stuff. So then when I decide to have something crappy for me later, I don't feel so bad because I knew I did pretty good earlier in the day or whatever. So there is an app. You need the Disneyland app to order food because when you go into these restaurants now where you would have normally seen food 
or even menus with food, that's all gone. It's like you're in, I told Owen, it reminds me of Roblox. I feel like I'm in a Roblox store. Like there's no food. So everything, it's weird. You don't see, you don't see anyone cooking food. You don't see any of that. It's just the people at kind of the area where they're going to, they're going to bring it to you. So you go on the Disneyland app, you have to find the restaurant that you want to eat from. And you know, there may be a picture of food that looks like it's decent and then you get it in person and it is actually so small it's un- it's like microscopic i can't even tell you it was like tiny people food it was it was play food i don't even know how to describe it it was for like a 3 year old we got these oh what were they these spring rolls they were called pizza spring rolls and i'm thinking oh there will probably be 3 we'll do that as an appetizer each kid can have one then we'll get the side of the mac and cheese okay these spring rolls were the size of my pinky there was two of them with a little bit of parsley. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. We just spent seven fifty on those. It was hardly even a fifth of a serving. It was so, it was laughable. Honestly, it was like, are you, it, we just laughed at it. All the food that we got was like super tiny. Anyways, you figure out where you want to eat. Although they do have giant turkey drumsticks. So if you want one of those, I think they're like 15 bucks, but you're just going to be eating like cooked turkey like there's no cranberry sauce there's no bread it's just a giant turkey leg you know 15 bucks Um, so you find the restaurant you want to eat at you have to figure out what you want to eat you do everything on your phone you do your everything so get your order all together so if you have a large group this is going to take a while you know you got to get all the orders in and then you pay for it on your phone and then you put your order in but it will say which window do you want your order placed in do you want it placed in the the window an hour and a half from now between that and then a certain time or the window two and a half hours from now you get my drift here there's no window five minutes from now it's like everything's in the future in quite a bit so if you're hungry you need to plan in advance because you're going to be waiting there are some things that you can just walk right up and buy that's candy um even the giant pretzels you know those were really good actually um we had to wait like 45 minutes to get one of those it was the whole ordering through the phone and we had to sit and wait and then they they'll send you a text message and say are you here or you tell them that you're in the area or whatever and they'll say okay you can come pick up your order you know a lot of other people are coming and picking up their order at that time as well and then you're all in line waiting to pick up and they only let you come up one at a time, you know, at your social distancing. It's, there's a lot of waiting for sure. And it's really crowded, even though there's social distancing because they don't let as many people on rides, you know, you're spaced out in line and there were certain rides that weren't open. You know, the Matterhorn wasn't open. Indiana Jones didn't open till the very end of the evening, the first night. I didn't stay for it, neither did Ryan. We were kind of done, and we let Owen and Joey go wait, and they got on it. It even broke down while, while they were in line, but that's typical. You know, the lines were really long for the most part. And then the area in California Adventure to go on the old Tower of Terror, which, is, of course, that's like the main ride we want to go on, although California Soren is awesome that's such a great ride they redid it it's a new i think it's two years old the film that they use now and it was just freaking badass the whole thing was great we love that one the one that used to be tower of terror is now guardians of the galaxy 
And I thought I was going to hate it because I really was a fan of Tower of Terror. I loved how they put that ride together and they had the suspense built up throughout, you know, walking in line. And, you know, a lot of the people that worked on the ride would get into character and really try to make it spooky. And so by the time you sat down on the ride, you were kind of like in the zone where you're feeling a little spooked, you know, a little bit. And then you get on the ride. And if you remember, there's that first drop and then they pull you up and then you're watching this room and then there's some creepy crap happening in the foreground and you see the doors and they're getting smaller and then you see the stars and then you drop and it's just so there's this confusion kind of thing and I was really thinking I was going to hate anything else because I thought that that was the best ride ever and this ride they made it a little bit more kid-like because they're playing Pat Benatar's Hit Me With Your Best Shot throughout the entire ride and Chris um oh the guy from Jurassic Park Chris something I can't think he's on Parks and Rec I can't think of his name but he's in the movie portion of the video that you're watching while you're on the ride with some other people and they're kind of just looking at us they're not saying anything I don't recall so and then they uh what else do they do you know they what they do is they start the ride right away so there's more drops and more times where they're shooting you up so it's more unexpected because I think we all kind of knew if you'd been on Tower of Terror enough you knew when they were going to drop it and shoot you up we you know you know the ride after a while but this was different so there were more unexpected drops and being shot up and you know to the top or even halfway or whatever and um I you know I still don't lose my stomach I wish I did but I don't but um it was fun it was fun so we only got on that once because that area you have to get into a virtual queue online through your phone to get into that area and we couldn't get um we couldn't get in the queue we got in a backup queue and by 6 30 in the evening we just got into the line to try to get in and we made it in that way um but there were people when we first got in the park that were in line and there was a guy announcing that if you're in this line to get into this area of the park which is like it's not Star Wars. I don't know. It's the Space Age part of the park. There's only one other ride in there. It's that and some Spider-Man thing that's new that we didn't even care about or go on. Um, but people were willing to wait four to five hours. And we heard in the past people were waiting eight to nine hours to get into that part of the park. It's like, really, they're doing that just to get on this Guardians of the Galaxy, which is like, who would stand there for eight or nine hours? Are you kidding me? I mean, there's no kid that could stand there that long. So and why it's not worth it. That's just for one ride. So forget it. So but we did get in. That was um, one of the last rides we got on. We had fun. It was, um, you know, those are like the main things. I can't think of anything else. There's no shows. There's no fireworks. There's no um, parades. And the characters are there, but they're at a distance. They stand up on balconies or they stand behind like a gated area. And you can kind of try to take a selfie like pretend like you're leaning towards them but they're way behind you so there's a lot of that and I you know I don't know if any of this will change come June 15th I have a feeling it won't I think Disney is um, going to be really conservative about this they've got so many precautions in place everything looks kind of permanent right now so they have it all down on um, what should be done and how to correct people we got in trouble there was we were over by the Nemo ride there was, you know, ducks can be really mean, like male ducks can, I, I, I'm i sure you've heard of duck rape. I mean, they do. Ducks can be very mean to female ducks. 
and this was occurring in the eating area. There was hardly anybody around this area. And we're like, oh no, oh no. And there was a lot of quacking. There was a lot of nipping at the back of this female duck's feathers. And it was upsetting. I was walking up to them and they weren't moving. So I was trying to put my hand in between them, like to shoo them away from each other, to, to give her some space. And he kept running back to her, this male duck. And, and then I walked over to them and some worker, all dressed in white, it was a woman. And she had a broom and her little scooper um, thing. I just saw her out of the corner of my eye. And she yelled at me and she said, stop chasing the ducks. I just put my hand up like, you don't, you don't understand. I'm not chasing ducks. I'm like, I'm not five years old. I'm trying to help this female duck that's getting attacked by a male duck. But it wasn't worth explaining. It's kind of weird because you're not supposed to yell at people in Disneyland. You can actually get fired for that. But I just uh, let it go. Joey was like, my God, if that was a little kid, she's like, that would have like ruined my whole day. She was, I would have been crying with the way she just yelled at you. I'm like, I don't know. That's fine. She just didn't get what was going on. So, okay. So, I get all the footage. I'm like, I'm going to film this Disney trip. I want to have some memorable footage. I started it from the second we left the house. And I now know on my phone, I've got this six, I don't even know what it's called. 6D. Let me see. What do they call it? If I put on video, my eyesight's so bad. Oh, it's not 60. It's HD. 60. <laughs> it's not 60. I seriously can't read. So it's HD 60. And I don't know if I had this on my iPhone 7, but the iPhone 12 has it. And it just makes everything look more professional. It looks really nice. It feels different. It feels richer. And so I was really excited to get some footage. And so I probably took over 100 videos. And these are just little snippets of things I'm capturing. And I was going to put it all together. I was having some anxiety about putting it all together because I really wanted it to turn out nice. And I really wasn't sure how I was going to put it together. I knew I needed to talk and tell some information about the trip in general because there's not a lot of video of us talking. So I knew I needed to like kind of do an explanation about things that are going on in the park COVID-wise and all of that. And um, so I filmed that yesterday morning. I just, you know, I'm sometimes I'm just not putting a lot of thought into it. I kind of just willy nilly turn my camera on. I actually held my camera in my hand and filmed myself. I didn't even put it on a tripod. I didn't even make my bed. I didn't look behind me to see what was going on. I had a ring light in the background. I mean, I guess it's not a big deal, but it was like kind of looked sloppy. I had a picture frame. I'll explain that later with no picture in it and, um, or at another time. Um, yeah, so there's a reason there's a picture missing anyways. And it just looked kind of unkempt. I don't know. I just didn't pay a lot of attention to all of that. I just wanted to film this because I knew I would have to edit it and then start editing everything else and put it together. And I really wanted to get it done last night. And so fine. I did that. I filmed it, put it all together. I edited it, got the music, got the transitions, got the text in there that I wanted. There's some really funny stuff. I talked about being a Karen. I really didn't become a Karen, although in my head I was, and I probably was to my kids a little bit because I get a little kooky with all the restrictions. But um, And I used this funny meme of a Karen face and just it flashes over my face really fast. Like I did some fun stuff. I'm, you know, I try to have fun with my editing and it's always fun to go back and look at it. And so I am finished and it's up on YouTube and I decide to, and when I'm editing it on my software, it's um, a very small version. It's probably the little screen that I see where I'm editing is probably like, okay, let's see, maybe four by maybe six. And 
I didn't watch it full screen yet. I was waiting for my kids to do that. So I decided to watch it full screen on my computer with them. I said, you guys ready? Let's, let's, I want to show you guys what I made. So we sit down and we turn it on and I'm watching and I said, right away, right away, I noticed something. I'm like, there's, there's something in the corner of my mouth. I'm like, oh my freaking God, like what? And Joey goes, no, it's nothing, mom. There's nothing. I said, no, there's like, there's a little black dot in the corner right side of my mouth. And I'm like, I, I didn't even eat anything yet. Like what, what is that? Oh my God. Oh my God. It's all I can see. And I think when everyone else watches this, are they just going to look at my eyes or are they going to focus on that little freaking black speck in the corner of my mouth? That's gross. Like what did I do? I cannot believe that I missed that, but I'm so freaking blind that I don't think I would have even caught it in the mirror. I totally didn't catch it when I was editing because everything's at a smaller scale when you're editing. You know what it was? I drank coffee before I filmed that. It's a little grain of coffee on the corner of my mouth. Like how gross. I look like an addled old lady. Like I, like with food on her mouth. Like I'm so mortified. Kill me now. Really not going to make a point of it anywhere like in a comment, obviously on the video. And so far, nobody has said anything, but I thought I'm just going to mention it on this podcast. But I'm like freaking, I can't believe I got a coffee crumb on the corner of my mouth. I mean, it's nothing I could feel. It was like microscopic, but I can see it. And it's all I can see when I watch that part of the video. So, so nice. Okay. Where are we at? I don't know if you guys heard, I was watching on TikTok. Some guy did, I don't know if you guys watch TikTok. I'm obviously very addicted to it. And I love to do TikToks because they're just quick. I can get a lot of information out there quickly in a small little snippet. And it's fun to use the music. It's just, I don't know. It's such a creative outlet for me, outlet for me. Um, I really love doing that. I mean, I love doing podcasting also, and I love YouTube. YouTube usually is a lot more involved. It feels like a big project. TikTok, it's like a mini YouTube. I was going to say it's YouTube on crack, but that doesn't make sense. So, but it is, it's like a mini YouTube and it feels, it's really satisfying. I don't know. I just, and when you get like 15 seconds or a minute of information that you did with edits, possibly, it depends on what it is. I do some animal stuff. I do a lot of obviously HIV stuff, um, but it always, it's really satisfying, but I watch them too. So I watch a ton of TikToks and there was a man that came on and talked about this man who was lobster fishing. I guess this is an occupation and he was eaten. He was eaten. He was completely swallowed by a whale. I think it was a sperm whale. Don't quote me on that, but he was swallowed wholly, completely all the way by a whale. And apparently he had a breathing apparatus on and he was only in the whale's, I don't, I don't know. Did he make it into the stomach? I'm not even sure. He wasn't sure what happened at first. He thought he was eaten by a shark, but then he was, he said he was pushing on things and everything was, I think, squishy or something. I think he started kicking and hitting. And then uh, there was a lot of bubbles or something. And apparently the whale just took him back up to the surface and spit him out. So there was a guy on TikTok who had told the story. And I thought, yeah, right, dude, you just told the story. Like, I want to see proof, right? And then later I see on the news, they interview the man. It like really happened. This guy was swallowed by a whale and, um, you know, nothing happened to him. They thought that maybe he would have broken a leg or two or had some kind of broken bones. Nothing. He had like some soft tissue damage. Um, but really, I mean, I think, I think it was a sperm whale. Did I say it was a great whale? 
I, maybe I did say it was a sperm whale. I think it was a sperm whale. I think I just want to say the word sperm over and over. <laughs> no, but so, yeah, so he got out alive and he's good. And what a crazy story. I don't know if many humans can say that they've ever been swallowed by a whale. You know what's really funny is they said in one of the news reports, they said it was his worst fear come true. I'm like, really? Did you ask him that? Has he always said his worst fear come true would be to be swallowed by a whale? I don't think that's anything he's ever even thought of. I have a feeling they did not ask him that at all, but that's just my guess. So also on TikTok lately, I've been seeing, I see so many similar videos. Lots of people rescuing possums, baby possums, opossums, whatever. I don't know. I say possums, but I want to say opossums, but I feel like I'll be corrected. Um, Raccoons and baby skunks and baby, there's one other one, deer and something else. I feel like everyone and their stepbrother, hi John, gets to have baby wild animals in their house. And I don't ever have this happen to me. And I would like it to. I want a baby raccoon. Could this happen, please? Could just one wander into my neighborhood and I'll take care of it. But it never happens. So I see those videos constantly. I also see people bragging about how much money they make when they are either working in a restaurant like a bar and they're showing, you know, their Ziploc bags of cash from Monday and Tuesday. And it's just gobs of money. And I'm like, you sit here and you think you went to college, you're working your ass off for what, like I get $200 a day as a sub and I'm trying to survive by paying rent, taking care of three kids. This is not a lot of money, right? And then I look at that and I'm like, oh my God, I should be working at a restaurant. Why do I have a college degree? What am I doing? Like, this is not enough money. And then I see the young girls who are adult dancers or strippers, whatever, and they are making gobs of money, right? But I will say that when I was 25, I had a new set of boobies and I was free from a relationship that wasn't making me very happy. I'd moved up to a new area to be closer to my mom and my sister. And I started, I had no friends. I knew nobody up there. And I started um, working out at 24-hour Nautilus in Folsom. And one of the trainers there was a DJ at one of the local strip clubs. And he said, you should come check it out. You'll do well there because you're tall, like you'll stand out. And like, I was a very shy kid growing up, very shy. But I do have this little bit of a wild side to me. And, and of course, I'm flattered because he's telling me I would do well. And I'm like, Oh, I'm curious. And plus, I was really into Howard Stern at the time. He was interviewing strippers all the time. He was going to scores nightclub um, in New York, which I did go to one time when I was working pharmaceuticals and we had a night out and I made the people that I was hanging out with. We all went to scores. I said, we have to, I have to go there. So I went there. So I decided to go check this place out and it was just, um, you know, go check it out at first. It's called, it was called Risky Business and it's in Rancho Cordova. I don't even know if it's there anymore, but it was like, they wanted to do the like 90s music and so Def Leppard, stuff like that um, for the older crowd, I guess, to bring them in because they wanted to keep the younger guys out who wouldn't pay enough money for dances or, you know, time up on the stage. And so I get into this place and 
um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk about this. I, I wasn't even sure I would. But anyways, I get into this place and it's, you know, I think it was like eight in the evening and I had a real kind of showy blouse on it was, I remember it was um, white short sleeve, super, it was stretchy material and it crisscrossed over my boobs and it was skin tight. You know, it was a almost like a leotard top, but it covered my shoulders. It looked good. And um, because those boobies looked good, that was my first set. I've had to go through a few because of problems. But anyways, um, yeah, I thought they look good. So I go in there and I'm looking around and it's like it is it's a whole new world, right? This is the first time I've ever been in a strip club. And there's all these girls younger than me, mostly um, walking around in very high heels, you know, the stripper shoes that have the platform and the heel and and they're all in G-strings and they're all in bras. And I'm like, I'm seeing butts everywhere I look. And there's men sitting down all over in these, you know, booths, benches around that there's two stages. There's a main stage and a side stage. And I'm just sort of blown away by all of it. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Like these girls are almost naked and they're, they're so perky and happy and nice and they're you know I'll be right back it's like it's this whole new world and the music's fun and there's no alcohol by the way this is non-alcoholic because this place was full nudity so that's the law in California if it's just topless they could serve alcohol I don't know if the laws have changed but back then full nudity on stage meant no alcohol you know behind the counter but you had to be drinking something at all times so they'd make you buy they'd make the men buy these um whatever it was, you know, it's like soda and which would cost like we figured it out as like three cents for a, a glass of Coke or whatever. And they'd have to pay $3 for it. So they, they made a lot of money on the soda and they had to make sure those men were continuing to drink soda. But of course they go out to their cars and they'd slam a beer or whatever they were doing. They were definitely drinking in the bathrooms and stuff. Um, so they would come in and um, what you do is you start off as a waitress and waitressing means that you're going to be bringing these stupid sodas around to everybody, but you're also going to need to dance on stage when your number's up. They have a list and they just kind of rotate through the list over and over and you go on the main stage and the side stage. But if you're um, a waitress, you only have to take your top off. And so this is the way to get you indoctrinated into finally becoming a dancer. And so I... I was really nervous, obviously. I decided, well, I'm, I, okay, first of all, <laughs> I went in, I met the DJ who was there. He was working there who, it's very bizarre. He married my ex-husband, Chris. Okay, so my ex-husband, Chris, is why I stopped stripping because I met him there. Th this is how I met my kid's dad. And he lives in Aptos, which is kind of where we live now, right? He had this neighbor he grew up with across the street. Her name was Stacy. Stacy married that DJ. It is just this really weird, like, I mean, because we were up in Sacramento. This is nowhere. This is three hours away from um, from Aptos, Sacramento and Aptos. So it's just really weird. And they're still married. There's, yeah. Anyways, his name was Parrish. And so um, he was Indian. And anyway, he said, yeah, come in. So I went in and I, you know, I was like, okay, I'm here. And he's like, you know, these are the, he's introducing me to people. The girls were sort of nice, sort of whatever. Some of them were kind of cold, especially the ones that were really good at dancing on the pole. And they were just busy making their money. They didn't really care about. It. And also I'm new competition. So do they really want some new chick coming in who might take money from them or sales from them? So 
Um, I don't remember a lot about that night. I think it was just come in and check the place out. And then like the next day I went to the main office where I met, I felt like I was meeting the mafia. I went to like a nice business building in Rancho Cordova. Like, you know, I went up an elevator, I went into an office and I sat in front of these, there was like the one main guy. I remember they were all dressed in nice suits. He had like, you know, brushed back gray hair. Um, very professional. And he says, here's your, I can't remember. I think there was some tax information. I think I might've had to sign something. Uh, when can you start? And that was about it. Um, and then I met like the main man who's kind of like your, I, I don't know any other way to describe it. He's sort of like, well, he's the manager, but you know, you sort of feel like he's sort of like the dad there. Like, but they all wear suits to keep it professional. Right. And so they said, you're going to come up, need to come up with a name. We don't use you guys for your safety. You don't use your real names. And I'm like, okay. So I used to watch Party of Five and I went with the name Bailey, which is the boy from Party of Five. Owen is named after the little youngest boy on Party of Five. Um, that's my son. And uh, my daughter, Joey, was named from um, <laughs> Dawson's Creek, Katie Holmes. So it's kind of funny because those were the shows back at the time. And my stripper name was from the show um, Party Five. So I just liked it. I liked Bailey. And so I used that. And so uh, I don't really remember too much about the beginning. I just know that I went in and I had to serve drinks and I was trying to get this whole thing down. And where my feet were killing me. I got the stripper heels at Nordstrom. They were black patent leather. I still own a pair. They make me crazy freaking tall. I'm like six five in these things. So, you know, by three hours later, the balls of my feet, right, you know, at the base of your toes were freaking killing me. I'd go home at night and I'd just dig my thumbs into that part of my feet because they hurt so bad. And I I remember sitting on the benches and just trying to take a break at times and putting the heel on the floor so my toes were pointed up so my freaking toes could get a break. And they were hurting my toes too. These things were squishing my pinky toe in. And oh yeah, and when I bought those shoes... Um, it was a kid that I had gone to elementary school that I had not seen since elementary school. Todd Schofield sold me those shoes. I was with my mom. We went to, my mom knew I was going to do this. I'm like, because I got an office job in Sacramento when I first got up there and it was paying a lot less than the job I had had in San Jose. And so I kind of decided, and the guy was a jerk and I didn't like it. And I was having trouble finding just, you know, office jobs or whatever. I was a, I had a brand new college degree and I thought I'm, and I had definitely listened to too much Howard Stern. So anyways, I remember feeling really kind of embarrassed that Todd Schofield hadn't seen me since elementary school. And here he is trying, uh, fitting me with stripper shoes, black patent leather. I don't know, probably five feet five feet, hello, six inches, maybe five, six inches. I don't know. They're really, really high, but they do have a platform. So it makes the heel part taller. So um, we went and got those. And I, you know, I promised my mom I was only going to do, I don't know, I probably didn't tell her a whole lot. I just said, don't worry, I'll be fine. And she really was, I think, hoping that I wouldn't do this. But you know, I was 25. I was kind of old enough to do whatever I wanted. Another thing I didn't think about when I did this is that someday, I'm going to have kids and I'm going to have to tell them about this. And my daughters both know and they think it's really funny. Um, but Owen doesn't know and I'm sure he will someday. But yuck, I don't want him to know now. It's too He's too young. So anyways, I get the shoes and I go to work. I don't remember what I wore at all. I And I know when I first did my first song, all the girls, what they do to support you is they all sit around the, the uh, main stage at the chairs. 
And they, for the first night, for somebody that's new, it's just part of like the um, indoctrination process. And so you have this support and you don't really know what the hell you're doing. I, I think they played, I, my song a lot was um, Centerfold by Jay Giles. That was kind of my go-to song. They'd play that. They'd play a lot of Collective Soul and, and Def Leppard. Those were sort of my three bands that they played for me um, quite a bit. Anyways, but it was probably Centerfold that was like, and I'd hear that and I'd be like, I'll never not hear that song and not think about stripping now because that song was like my signal to go up to the stage. And so I remember I went up and I didn't even know what I was doing. I remember I had tried practicing like dances at home, but I really didn't know how to dance. Nobody told me there was no class. I didn't know anything about the pole or like I just used it to keep my freaking balance because I was really tall in these heels. I don't know. I just I I got through it somehow. The girls cheered me on and it felt really good. And I took my top off and I was like, oh my God, I did it. Like I freaking I'm on a state. I'm of course I was so nervous. I did not drink. I did not do drugs. This was all just pure, you know, completely sober and just uh you know just but felt like I'm yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And I wanted to see how much money I could make. And the whole point of this is that I did not make much money. <laughs> this is the whole point to all this. These girls that are making this money on TikTok, I don't know what they're doing differently. But anyways, so you would dance on the main stage with your song, and then you'd have to go to the side stage, kind of redress yourself as you're walking over to the side stage, because you're going to have to be stripping again so you've got to put the bra back on and whatever and get back over to the side stage and then you dance to whatever song that person picked for the main stage and you have no choice on that matter so it's whatever it is and really girls had specific songs that were kind of picked for them that they liked and so if there was a song that you liked that someone else used you couldn't use it you had to have your own and thankfully nobody liked centerfold and I really always liked that song and it was short oh I did um brass and pocket that was it um, with, uh, uh, what's her name? Chrissy Hyde. I did, or Pretenders. That was another one I did. And that's a really short song, honestly. Oh, and Lovin' Touch and Squeezin' was another one of my songs from Journey. That's a great song. That was a great song to dance to, for sure. Um, I did have some signature move where I would stand with my back against the glass and I'd put my arms out straight and hands flat against the glass and I don't know how I did this I don't know how I didn't fall and hurt myself and this is before I had taken anything off I would throw and I'm not acrobatic in any way or very flexible but somehow I managed to do this I would put one leg up in the air I would try to or at least reach it forward and then I would slowly slide my back down the wall while my other leg was bending and I would end up on my butt and then my leg would be straight up in the air and then I think I did something with my other leg where I crisscross them or I don't even remember I don't even know how I freaking got up it was not easy my knees were killing me by the end of the night from just being on my hands and knees or making my body lift up from such high heels and like these you know my knees having that pressure and then, um, yeah, so then I finally, after doing that for like a week of just being a 
waitress and taking my top off. They're like, you got to be a dancer. You got to be a dancer. All this pressure. And you're like, yeah, I want to go where the big money is. I want to be a dancer. And I didn't tell my mom. I kept telling my mom that I was just a waitress. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just waitressing. And she's like, oh, well, if you're waitressing, why do you have bruises all over your knees? She didn't know that waitressing also meant that you had to get on stage. (laughs) I kind of kept that from her. I just told her I was just serving drinks. But no, 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 I was actually dancing. So eventually she did pick up on the fact that I was doing the um, the full dancing. And I will say that I have been to other strip clubs where they're very, very, um, I, I don't know how to put it, uh, comfortable with showing everything, if you know what I mean. There's a lot of spreading, bending over. That was not me at all. I was very discreet. I didn't feel comfortable. Like I waited to almost the very end before my underwear dropped. I wasn't big on showing my lower half. It's like it made me feel awkward. A lot of girls are really comfortable with it. But yeah, there was, you know, of course, we really perfected specific shaving. I mean, there was like these people did like I don't know, the race strip. Somebody did a Christmas tree during, because it was during the holidays when I started. Somebody shaved it into like the shape of a Christmas tree. I mean, but typically it was this, you know, started in a point and then came down and it was like a, a narrow strip. And that was like the typical, a lot of people had that. And um, of course there was a lot of new boob jobs and oh, okay, so this is how you make your money. I couldn't make crap on stage. Like, um, wow, I'd walk away and I'd have like maybe $10. Like people were so cheap. And like a dollar, you walk around and you pick up your dollars that are left at that stage. They should leave a dollar. Not everybody did. Some people didn't. And you're like, or they'd get up. Sometimes they'd get up three quarters of a way into your dance and walk away. And you're like, wow, what an asshole. And you didn't leave any money. So A lot of um, really hard on your self-esteem, like insanely hard on your self-esteem. And you're thinking that, you know, if you were a little thinner or whatever, maybe that wouldn't happen. I was definitely one of the oldest girls there at 25. Most of the girls were 18. A lot of very petite girls. So I felt, you know, that maybe my body was too tall. I knew it was really funny. I had a group of Asian men who had come in and they paid me pretty well. They wanted private dances and they were tiny. Like they were, (laughs) I just thought, why would you pick me? I'm like towering over you, but okay. So the way to make the money is private dances. But in this club, there's no private area. It's a very open room and there's no touching. They have to keep their hands at their sides. There's absolutely zero touching. So I think things have changed. I think there's like places where you can go into private rooms and maybe more stuff is going on. I don't, I don't really know, but these dances were $20 or that's all I knew to ask for. What I did learn during, during this experience, because I went into pharmaceutical sales after this, not directly after it, but I did go in shortly after it, like a couple years later. And I realized there's so many similarities between stripping and pharmaceutical sales. This selling is selling. There's just no two, two ways about it. And I remembered as I was learning about pharmaceutical sales, like in training, I, it was bringing me back to the strip club. I just kept thinking like, these are techniques that we use constantly for selling. We're always, your mind is always trying to be one step ahead of the buyer. You want them to spend their money. You want them to feel when you're sitting next to them that you're interested in them, even though they know the game. They know the game, but they still want to play the game. 
they want to pretend that it's not a game even though it is and you just need to try to figure out how to get them to pull that money out of their wallet and give it to you and so with pharmaceutical sales it was trying to get the doctors to write a prescription for specific patients that would be good on specific treatments that you were quote unquote selling. So I found that there were so many similarities between the two businesses and it really made me learn a lot about sales in general. Um, in that first job, I had never done any kind of sales before the strip club. And so um, when I got into pharmaceutical sales, it was just all clicking. It was crazy. Anyways, you would do these private dances and you could kind of touch them. I mean, there was always the, um, I had this one move where I, I don't, still don't know how I did this stuff, but I would somehow bend over backwards so like my the back of my head was on their shoulder so I'm kind of cheek to cheek with them a little bit and they would have that view of you know and I didn't have a top on and you know you do a little squeeze and shaky shake and they love that and there was a lot of like you know putting your arms like on the side of their head um one on each side and like you know doing the kind of the I don't I don't even know the the snaky move where it's kind of like the boobs in the face and then up to the stomach and then back down and they're getting to view your whole body basically as uh, you know up close and I mean there was a lot of that it was exhausting like I used to felt I felt so tired after I mean it was really a lot and you felt really dirty after like you do feel grungy I'm talking physically like I really did feel dirty grungy I also didn't date anybody the entire time I did this I did it for three months and I didn't have a desire to date men I thought like I was really turned off by mad men completely during that whole time it was just because you you feel like a piece of meat totally and um yeah so I don't know how much more I should say I've got so many stories about this place and I can I'm gonna I might hold off and share well I will share how I met my ex-husband there Um, But I also want to share how when I worked for Cadillac in San Jose or Fremont, it was the last job I'd had. I'd been working there for a year and a half in this zone office. I had worked there for, uh, like I said, a year and a half, and I'd I'd moved away up to Sacramento. Word got back to the people in the zone office that I was working at this strip club in Rancho Cordova. Well, one night, all the executives showed up. They showed up to see me dance, and it was... It was like an outer body, outer body experience. Yeah, it was, um, it was crazy. So um, I, yeah, I had to dance for my boss. And uh, that story is really unreal. I think I will wrap it up here. That's fun. This is, I've really never shared this on social media in any way. I think I've talked about it on a live a little bit. Um, but you know, whatever, you know, when you, like I say, when you're young, you do things that you don't think will matter later. And I, they don't to me because I feel like I don't regret anything. I learned from everything. Um, nothing bad happened to me there. I just didn't make a lot of money. That was my point is that I could not make, I could not make a lot of money and you have to tip out to everybody. I'm just not a good salesperson in that way. I was, I was still dealing with a lot of insecurities and I was really nice to these men, but I had a hard time asking them if they'd want a dance. Sometimes I'd wait till they'd ask me. Like I was just nervous and I didn't really know. So I would just sit and talk to them. And I'd watch these other girls making their money and running up to the next guy and doing a dance and then going to the next. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm wasting so much time sitting here talking to this guy. Holy shit, get to the point. Like I need to do a dance. Oh my God, I'm making no money. And I knew that I had to tip out the DJ and the bartender and the guys that walk you to your car. And so you lose your money also because you have to tip out to all these people and then you get to go home with whatever's left and so it was like and I kid you not an average night was a hundred dollars that was it 
I was hardly making any money. I don't even know how I paid my rent, honestly. Well, rent, well, no, actually rent back then was only $600, so it wasn't that bad. But um, yeah, I mean, and this is 1995. So $100 obviously was more back then than it is now, but it still didn't feel like I knew I wasn't making much. Like I wanted to be making $800 a night. I felt like I heard that there were girls that were doing that, but it wasn't happening for me. And it was really discouraging. And I didn't know what I was doing wrong. I, it was a constant mind fuck. Like I'd go to bed constantly thinking, should I be dancing different? Should I be doing this different? What is so-and-so saying in his ear that she always gets a dance? What the hell is she saying to him every time? Because there's this one girl that used to whisper in their ear and it was like every time she'd get a dance. And there's nothing like walking up to a guy and saying, do you want to dance? They look at you and they shake their head. No, no. And it's really, it's, yeah, it was very hard on the ego, very, very hard. And they don't talk about that. And, but I guess if you're making that kind of money, like they're showing on TikTok, I could take the rejections. But when you're not making that much, those rejections are really hard. Yeah, finally, I finally ended it because I met my ex-husband. He did not tell me to quit. That's a whole nother story, but I wanted to. So, and that's just very funny how we met. That's a actually really fun story. So um, I'm going to cut it off here and wish you all a great week. And this would be fun to, um, I knew that I would be talking to Fatal Attraction, who's, I think she does adult film as well. I think she dances as well. So I didn't want to just bring that up um, in the midst of her telling her story, like, oh, hey, I did that too. And then I I wanted to be able to tell my story a little bit first before I had her on. So, um, so yeah, hopefully that will be a good segue for when she comes on. So anyways, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I don't know who's out there. I really don't know who the hell is listening, but if you like my podcast, that means so much to me. And I really love doing this. It's sort of like therapy. It's fun to get in here. I'm in my closet right now, just talking into a microphone. Thank you so much for listening. If you wouldn't mind giving me a quick little rate and review, it would help get the word out about my little stigma-breaking podcast. I wish you all a fantastic week. Stay safe, stay beautiful. See you next Monday.